101 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Father David Mowry, chaplain to the Movies by Minute community. Welcome to the show, David. Father David, excuse me. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. Your guest services warmly welcomed me at the wooden gates of the compound and showed me to my five-star accommodations. I'm really excited to be staying here, a nice, spacious uh, six-by-six-foot room here with a nice bunk beds and a little table. And I can see there's, there's even a little stove here. And uh, But who, who do I complain to about the, the banging noises that I hear coming from the basement? Roger, Roger. He's, he's the guy you complain to. But I strongly recommend that if you're going to complain, take into consideration they might not let you be part of the escape. <laughs> that, escape? Well, why would I want to leave? Everything is so comfortable here. Three hots and a cot. All right, great. So you'll, you'll be one of the ones staying, staying so that when everyone's repatriated, there's actually someone still in the camp. How's that? <laughs> got, got to think about the long-term plan for these things. That's exactly. It's very true. Very true. Minute 101 begins with uh, Colin asking Roger what's wrong and goes all the way until Colin takes a tumble. So this minute continues what we did the end of last week where we saw Colin doing something strange with a, with a little pin from a sewing kit. At this point, Roger has come into the room and he has this very strange uh, look on his face. Now, Richard Attenborough is such a great actor and you can really see the concern because he, he doesn't really know how he wants to, to tackle this particular problem. Now, we've already seen that uh, Colin's having a little bit of sight issues, and obviously that is the, the problem here. But Colin still plays it a little naive or innocent. And, you know, oh, what's the, what's the matter, Roger? Roger basically just blurts out, well, you can't go. And that sort of you got to rip that Band-Aid right off. Exactly. You know, in, in management, in having those difficult conversations, all the expert degree, you just got to lay it out there. And that way you get over your own nerves in delivering the bad news. And then you're better able to help the other person process that piece of bad news themselves. And, of course, Blythe has worked really hard on this escape and has perhaps – lost his eyesight because he's done so much squinting and close-up work and all the the forged documentation so the reason he can't go on the escape is paradoxically due to the escape itself or due to what he has to his his devotion to helping everyone out right i think that's what it comes down to yeah but i mean last week uh, my guest and i discussed a little bit about you know how quickly this type of eye problem could possibly come along, you know. But I, I think later in the week we can talk about that a little more when when they actually discuss, uh, you know, what what he actually what his problem is. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think this is, in some ways, one of the weak points in the film because of the way they actually present the the, the way that that this all comes about. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Now, we get that title card at the beginning of the film about this being based on real events. So. Was there a prisoner who was part of this breakout who had this kind of progressive myopia, or is this one of those bits of dramatic license? Uh, this is dramatic license. Aha. Well, let's let's not let the truth get in the way yeah. of a good story. I mean, I'm apparent. Have you? I, I assume you haven't you haven't read the book that this is based on. I have not read the oh, book. Okay. Oh, okay. That's it. I guess you're not. I'm, I guess you won't come back tomorrow too. Also. <laughs> All right, well, it's been good having me on. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, we'll see you later. Just kidding, just kidding. 
<laughs> exactly. Just kidding. Yeah. No, it's it's. There's nothing mentioned in the book about someone having uh, eye problems. This was, I think, I think this this was their way to to add a little bit more fun to the to the escape and have uh, you know two prisoners have have a reason to to, to go together because I think if Blythe, Blythe would have gone out on his own. He, he either would have messed up everything right at the beginning or he would have been caught uh, within within minutes. He, he doesn't really – I mean, he's not a flyer. Not a flyer, not a spy. We all know that he's – you know, he's he's, a, he's he's the guy who was sitting behind the desk that for some reason decided to go for a joyride. And as as was, was discussed weeks ago when, when we first met Blythe and uh, he had that discussion, you know, the whole the, – the question is, is uh, – you know, did someone take him on a joyride, or did he steal a plane and he himself went on a joyride? That that still remains unanswered. My assumption is is that he mm-hmm. he just wanted to to hitch a ride with someone else. But his his phrasing that I just I went out for a joyride, you know, makes it sound uh, keeps it ambiguous that it could be that 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 he himself stole a plane. But there were migratory birds that were only passing through that particular area. And the best photos of those birds would only be from the air. And so that was the reason he was up there was for his beloved uh, Audubon Society membership in order to get published and get the pictures that you can only get from the air. And unfortunately, he forgot that there is a war on. Yeah, eh, minor little uh, issue dealing with (laughs) – dealing with something like that which is surprising because in this scene Blythe shows himself to be very conscious of details he set this whole scenario up very carefully I I love how Donald Pleasance uh, searches with his hand for the doorknob to serve as that starting point for his walk across the room and it's clear that Blythe has been rehearsing this he's been practicing it he's known that this conversation is going to come even though Roger says that he's only just heard about uh, this myopia that Blythe has and we see him very ably demonstrate oh my eyesight's fine look there's that that little pin the, the the littlest of trifles i can pick that up and see it across the room no problem exactly i mean that, that that's basically what we we deal with in this minute i mean it's it's interesting how the whole thing plays out i mean first first you have roger telling fly that he can't come and, and henley at this point perks up you know he's he's lying in bed and he realizes because henley knows something is up because when because when when he when he came in and like, oh, Roger. Uh, hi, Blythe. What's up, Colin? Like, oh, oh, it's you, Henley. Because uh, you, looking at Richard Attenborough and looking at James Gardner, I, you would not mix those two guys up. Um, unless you put them, you know, both uh, above the title of the movie at that point, then maybe you can get them confused. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But, you know, I guess you'll have to wait and see. Oh. But, but Hendley has that very dashing turtleneck yes. sweater, so and that Which that is, is his signature. After a few years in prison, you know, in a prison camp. <laughs> Look, when, when you're the scrounger, you know how to get laundry detergent before okay. anybody else. Certainly. And then at, at this point, I love the fact that the music changes tone. They start with somber music, you know, when... when, when yes, the sad flute comes yes. in. Full of melancholy and pathos. You cannot go. I will not allow it. Well, it it comes in more. I think it comes in more on Blythe's attempts to justify yes. himself, and I think that's what's more uh, moving in the scene. Is that Blythe, legitimately, like any prisoner, wants to get out of prison, wants to escape, and he is 
trying to escape a prison within a prison, which is his own physical handicap yes. here. In addition to and the he's right, trying to, the to find a clever way. Yeah. Right. He's trying to find a clever way to get around uh, Roger, just as all the other prisoners are trying to cleverly get around their jailers. And that adds to the uh, adds to the the patheticness of this scene that he's got this carefully laid plan, but he's not thinking about what happens next. He's not a great improviser. Yeah, but you would think that he would have some sort of inkling as to what is about to happen. I mean, if if I was in that type of situation and I found myself blind, I wouldn't say, "Okay, I'm going to go out on my own." At that point, I would say, "Okay, I'm going to need help if I'm going to get out." You know, he's he's still adamant that he should be going and he's going to go on his own. Um, Pride goeth uh, before a fall. Apparently. Just because I'm blind doesn't mean that I can't take care of myself. True, but but again, this is you know someone who who deals <laughs> with 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 uh, birds, you know, reconnaissance photos from 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 over overflying jets. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that he knows how to mm. get from uh, Sagan, Poland. Zagin Poland to some friendly lines. So I'm, I'm not really sure uh, what really is going on in his mind, except for the fact, as you said, he's trying to get out of both of these prisons. Maybe maybe he also believes that his eyesight's going to come back, you know, that it's just very temporary because it is something that just happened. So maybe, you know, maybe it's hysterical blindness. Maybe it's something that, you know, just happens and then, you know, it could go away. Maybe that's his hope at this point. Mm-hmm. And then I, I love the fact that he says to Roger, but uh, why? <laughs> you know, he's, he's playing, playing, <laughs> you know, playing, trying to play his cards by saying, oh, well, why would you even think that I can't? Uh, and at this point, Roger says, because you can't even see the hand in front of your face. <laughs> and so well, if, that, if that's Roger's reason, then he doesn't need to do the pin rigmarole. He can just put his hand like, oh, see, there's my hand in front of my face. I can see it very clearly. All four fingers exactly. and the thumb. Exactly. There. I've disproved you. Uh, you know, and and you know, he mentions what 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 I mentioned earlier. Without even thinking about this, is, is you'll be caught before you even get ten yards. Which, you know, the the response is that's ridiculous. <laughs> Come on, that's uh, you know, the 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 way that have you little faith in me? <laughs> says Blythe. I know what I'm doing. Exactly. I've never heard anything so absurd in my life. Uh, <laughs> I can see perfectly, and and at this point he. What's what's interesting is he he's able to walk around Roger, you know he, he Roger claims that he can't see the hand in front of his face. Now he we know that he can see some somewhat, you know maybe this is like mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you can say it's like Cancelo coming out of carbonite. You know he can his eyesight's getting a little better. <laughs> a big dark blur, exactly. a big light blur. Yeah, so maybe he can just see the the blur of Bartlett exactly. in front of him and knows enough to walk around him. And he knows where he was when Roger came in, and he clearly has a pretty good sense of how many paces it is yeah. to cross the room. So he's able to navigate around. Uh, what's really interesting to me is that Richard Attenborough very thoughtfully stands out of Donald Pleasance's sightline exactly. to the pin so that this, this whole pin trick can come off if Roger had just stood where he was <laughs> in the way of where Blythe had put the pin. I don't know what Blythe would have done. Like, oh, I can see perfectly. I, I can see that pin. Um, Behind you, I, my eyesight's so good, I can see right through exactly. you, Roger. <laughs> here, I'll prove it. Look, you know, step aside. Look, here's this pin on the ground that I could only see if I had x-ray vision. So that's how good yeah. my eyes are. That's why it's so ridiculous for you to say I would get caught 10 yards in. Really? Man of my vision? 
Impossible. And, and, and I love the fact that he has this counted out so that when he bends over, he doesn't bang his head on the on the wall or or on the you know yeah on, on the window frame. Oh, that's really smart. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. that yeah, he would have to measure that back so carefully, and then and then he knows to pick it up, and he oh, yeah. quickly looks at Henley and smiles at him. You know, which is which is very funny. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like laughing at this point. Uh, look, I'm I'm getting one over on on the exactly. the XO. <laughs> You and me, we're in this together, buddy. Did, did, did you notice that James Garner is smoking a cigarette the whole time here? And when, when Blythe stands up after picking up the pin, you can see that he has like an ashtray. They, they have like a built-in ashtray, you know, on the side of the bed for him to, to put his ashes in. Yeah, that, that, was, that was in my notes. I, I, love the, the, what, I love what that says about the culture at the time, that cigarette smoking was so prevalent that, of course, you're going to have an ashtray near your bedside, but given that it's a prisoner of war camp, they're not going to provide you with a nice ceramic ashtray like they would at the Ritz-Carlton. So Hendley, being the resourceful guy that he is, just pounds half a tin can into the side of his bunk in order to have a place to knock the ash off the end of the cigarette. It makes me wonder how you're going to clean that out. Well, hopefully you you don't have Blythe stumbling into it in his blindness because that's a bad day for Blythe. Poor guy. He'll get ash all over that brand new suit. And he won't even notice it. No, he wouldn't. Well, he would. I think he would smell it. I think he would notice that he would. He smelled a little more like cigarette smoke than I expect most of the room does already. Right, that's true. But <laughs> what, what, what's interesting is, is, I mean, you mentioned the fact that that uh, smoking is quite prevalent here. You know, uh, in 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 the prison camp, and obviously at the time also. You know, a few weeks ago, when when we discussed, you know, the various things that Mac brought uh, Handley. You know, from from all the to, from all the prisoners to use to to bribe the guards, they only brought six packs of cigarettes. Now you have six hundred prisoners. Among six hundred prisoners, you're only going to be able to scrounge six packs of cigarettes. Which six packs of cigarettes that they're willing to part with. That's my point. You think yeah. that, that that it would be important for them to be able to give you know someone parted with with some uh, some very good chocolate, <laughs> but apparently cigarettes, no, that I'm that I'm holding on to. So. Uh, you know that 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 is important. Look, we may be imprisoned, but we're not animals. That's right. We still need to be able to get our uh, cigarettes. That's right. <laughs> now, at this point, Roger sits down, and you know he he realizes something's up, and he basically says to him, he says, "All right, Colin, you see the foot of the door?" And of course, I see the foot of the door. So he says, "Okay, go over there." Of course, Put I the see the foot of the there. door. I I see your foot. I have X-ray vision. We've established this already. <laughs> And then he, he, he picks his leg up, and he, he raises his leg in a very awkward manner. You know, I, I don't think that's the way I would raise my leg if I was trying to trip someone like that. It's the way you would raise your leg in third grade in order to try and trip someone, where you've, you've never done it before and you want right. to play a prank, in air quotes, on your friend, in air quotes. Correct. <laughs> leg, yeah, leg straight out and super obvious to anyone with the eyes to see, which is what Roger is trying to test. You know, if he had done it subtly, then that would have hardly proved his point that Blythe can't see what's going on. But if he sticks it right out in the middle of the air like that, then anyone who has halfway decent vision should have been able to avoid it. Correct. Now, in the original script of the movie, he didn't put out his leg. He actually moved a chair in his way. And he fell over on a chair, which which is quite interesting. There's they're, they're very different methods of, of trying yeah. to trick up uh, Colin. I, I don't know if, if either of them would have worked better. 
<laughs> you know, I think I think the leg is is cleaner. It reads better, and there it's less likely to trip Blythe up because well, rather it's more likely to trip Blythe up using the leg because you move the chair. There's a possibility the chair makes noise, and Blythe can hear that and might say, "Oh, what are you doing? Why are you moving furniture around?" So the the silence of the of the leg lift works in Roger's favor. Right, but there's also the the idea that he might get he might get damaged more. Maybe maybe he was concerned that that. Uh, Maybe they were concerned that that there's more of a chance that he would get injured if they're they're using a chair as opposed to just the the leg. Because when he trips over the leg, he doesn't really trip over the leg. He bumps does, into yes, his leg. Yes, does the theater Pratt fall? And, like tumbles over. He's not not so much tripping as he is intentionally falling exactly. over. And Roger, you know, quickly gets up. This, that, that, that's why I mentioned earlier that 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 this is a scene that's a little hard to to to, to really believe would happen mm-hmm. the way that they. They, they show it here. Basically, he, he takes a fall. The minute ends as he's still on his way towards the ground. <laughs> did, did you have anything else you want to say about this minute that we might have uh, missed? Well, you mentioned that the, the leg tripping is less likely to result in, in Donald Pleasance injuring himself, which uh, I think is a very important note because I would like to declare this week Donald Pleasance Appreciation <laughs> Week and to, to really appreciate all the, the hard work that he put into this role because as, as someone who had a little bit of experience acting in high school, sitting in a scene and doing nothing is one of the hardest things that you can do, which Donald does most of this week. So I just want to talk a little bit about the next couple of movies that Donald Pleasance was in after acting as Colin Blythe in The Great Escape, because he had a very busy couple of years. Uh, To begin with, even the very year that The Great Escape came out in 1963, Donald Pleasance was in two other movies that released that year. He had a very full schedule, so of course we wouldn't want him to get injured when he's got such a full acting career. So the one I want to talk about today, just to mention very briefly, is The Guest, in which Donald Pleasance was the titular guest um, when in uh, 1963 he played the role of a homeless man who's taken in by a man who's renovating his house in London. And then this uh, this man has a brother who is an avowed sadist and completely tortures Donald Pleasance's character, resulting in this homeless man being kicked out of uh, this uh, this act of charity. And it's a wonderful piece of acting from all the uh, the principal stars in it. You've got Alan Bates and Robert Shaw as the two other uh, main characters here. Uh, Donald Pleasance, of course, does a great job. And what's really fascinating is that Donald Pleasance looks completely unlike Blythe. Uh, he has a really great, shaggy, unkempt beard that sells his destitution and uh, general hard-bitten life that he's had on the streets. So uh, 1963's The Guest, if you want a little more Donald Pleasant's acting wow. okay. action. That, that's actually fascinating. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't, I've never seen this movie. Uh, by looking it up on IMDb, I, IMDb, I see that, that, uh, that the three actors that you mentioned are the only ones who are even credited here. I mean, this is... Uh, apparently, I mean, you've seen it, I haven't yet, uh, and I emphasize yet, because <laughs> it sounds interesting. You, you convinced <laughs> me that I, sh- that I should see it. Well, it started off right. as a stage play, so you have this very intimate setting uh, and this intimate script, and Donald Pleasance uh, acts, again, the, the part of Mac Davies in the movie, which he originated mm-hmm. in the stage production. Interesting. Okay. Well, it, it's actually good that you're, you you want to have uh, Donald Pleasant's uh, Appreciation Week. We can actually call it uh, Donald Pleasant's Thanksgiving Week because this week is 
you know, Thanksgiving. We'll, we'll, you know, towards the end of the week on Thursday is Thanksgiving. We are grateful for all the gifts that God gave us. And so this week, let us be grateful for the gift <laughs> exactly. of Donald Pleasance. In, and for today in the guest and in the Great Escape, obviously. All right, that's good. So every day this week, we can we can discuss a different one of his uh, performances, if, if you'd like, if that works for you. Oh, oh, well, we'll see if if we can find some other little gems of Donald Pleasant's career to discuss as Donald Pleasant's Appreciation Week go. continues. All right, so you want to tell everyone how they can get in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Father Mowry. That's at F R M O W R Y. If you want to. Uh, Give me your little tidbits of Donald Pleasant's appreciation, or you know, maybe if you want to share a story when someone tried to trip you up when you were trying to prove that you can see perfectly well. I would love to hear about All it. All right, great. And while you're doing that, you can go uh, rate and review and subscribe on any podcatcher that you might be using to listen to this show. You can send us an email at thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. And our Twitter account is GreatEscapeMXM. So, Father David, would you like to come back again tomorrow so we can discuss more Donald Pleasance and this, uh, you know, his his attempt to, to find a way to get out of this prison camp? Oh, I have to know what happens next. Yes, I would love to come right. back tomorrow. So we'll see everyone tomorrow. Until then, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.